teaches us, instructs us, changes us, and convicts us. And Lord, we pray that you would do your work among us this morning. We pray that you would anoint our pastor as he delivers this message, and we pray that you would speak to us, and we would hear your voice, and we would understand what you have for us today. We thank you for the cross, and we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. In him we live and breathe and have our being. We praise you today, and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Karen. What a blessing. All right. Well, we're back in the life of David, and we're back on the sin of David. It's uh, an easy passage to spend several weeks on. We're, we're not going to, but we could. Um, but we're back today. And in this passage we see the defining event of David's life, which would have been so unique for an ancient Near East king because most of them would highlight only their good things. Remember, doing a sin for a king was not something that actually could happen for many of these cultures around Israel. And uh, the idea that a king who couldn't just take whoever he wanted, would have been something that had been completely foreign to most of the kingdoms around Israel. And so he, at this time, he takes uh, Bathsheba to be um, a uh, mistress and takes her and uh, he's not where he's supposed to be. And, and so he's... Uh, fallen into a trap, and, and he's supposed to be at war with his men, but he stays home, and so he, he falls into this sin, and he gets Bathsheba pregnant. And so the first thing he does is call her husband home to cover up his sin. He says, go... And um, the word there, go and wash your feet. Probably a biblical euphemism for go and sleep with your wife. Go and wash your feet. And uh, go and spend time with your wife. Why? So that when everyone says, oh, look, she's pregnant. Well, he did come home for a little bit for more. It was him. But Uriah, who was one of David's fighting men, one of his strongest companions in the war, he was the one who had been with him from the beginning. He refuses to sleep with his wife. Why? He refuses to go home because he knows where he's supposed to be. He's not supposed to be at home in comfort while his men are out dying. He's not supposed to be at comfort while God, the Ark of the Covenant, has been taken off into war. He's not supposed to be there. Now some people question, did, did Uriah actually know 
That, I mean, it's not like it was actually a secret, you know. Um, David did use messengers to bring her to him. And to, I mean, it's not like this is the idea that things happen in secret, even today, is foreign. It would definitely have been foreign back then. That's just not how life works, is it? People talk. As well, why when they didn't, when the, someone said the only good secret is the only secret is a secret between you and no one else. <laughs> as soon as someone else knows, it's no longer a secret. And so he, some people think he might have actually known, and he might have, or maybe he was the only one in the dark. Uh, you know, we don't want to hear those things about our spouses. Often spouses are the last one to know about these things. But he knows where he's supposed to be, and that's out in the field. And so he says, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't stay here. I can't, I can't sleep here. I can't be comfortable. Well, my men are out on the field. I must go back out in the field. So David says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something that Saul actually did to me one time. <laughs> I'm going to call Joab to put me out on the front line, put him out on the front lines, and everyone else is going to withdraw. So, of course, he dies. Now, David survived, but uh, uh, this is something that he is turning into. He, see this, this transition? We've, we've been rooting for David this whole time. And this one event, he's becoming more and more like Saul, who we were saying, no, no, we, no, we don't like Saul no more. He, he's becoming more and more like Saul. Because he can't ignore it. He can't, can't make it go away by, by bringing it. So he's, he can't deny it, sweep it under the rug. So he's going, to, he's going to turn to murder of this loyal soldier. Because sin often begets sin. Sin gives birth to more sin when it isn't dealt with. Trying to get rid of the problem. And so he murders Uriah. Sends them out. Has Joab and all his men pull back so that they're all going to, so he's going to be left alone to fight and survive. <laughs> and he, he tells them, uh, he tells Joab, he sends a, in 2 Samuel eleven twenty five. 25, he, he says, uh, say this to Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack in the city and destroy it. Wow. Just don't let it bother you. Yeah, the sword kills one, might as well kill another. I mean, that's awfully cavalier, isn't it? He's happy. Now it's dealt with. Now he can freely marry uh, Bathsheba and then he, the, to the rest of the world it's, it's like this sin never happened. How many of you guys have been in such a situation where you sin and you hope it goes away?
See, there's really two different ways we can deal with sin. The first way is we can confront sin. Or we can hide it. Confronting sin is painful, it's difficult, it's embarrassing, risk losing friends and getting judged. Confronting sin is hard. Hiding it is the easier choice. So often we choose to try to hide our sins. We, we try to bury them. That's why a lot of times we're called hypocrites, right? Because we say one thing and everyone knows we're doing another, but we pretend like no one knows. We act like we never sin, like, oh, well, it's Jesus, me, and all of y'all, right? <laughs> That's just not how it works. Or we may acknowledge, hey, you know what, I sin. But our actions are what matters, and we often try to hide them with our actions. We dismiss sin. We follow the same patterns that David did. First thing we often try to do is we ignore it, right? You mess up. Often we ignore it. Well, it was just a one-time thing. No one knows. It was, you know, me and my computer. It was me and my checkbook. It was me and my girlfriends. It was me, you know, no one knows. It was all right. We ignore it. And then when we realize that it's not going away, we deny it. I didn't do that. It wasn't me. It was, it was something that was totally natural. That was just a natural reaction. This is, it's because of my, my biology or it's because of my past. It was because of my, we, we, you know, because, because my parents raised me this way. Because of, you know, because of she, she did it. Well, but the snake did it. And if that doesn't work, we're still feeling guilty or God's still convicting us or everyone knows and so people are convicting you depending on the level of our sins. The level, we level things in our minds, right? I mean, how many have heard of the seven deadly sins, right? The Bible never says there are seven deadly sins. It just says that there are sins. And these are some of the ones that lead to the biggest problems of consequences, but... Uh, Sin is sin for the wages of sin. Not, not seven deadly sins, not certain sins, not the ones that we deem at this church the worst. Because I've been at churches where certain behaviors are okay and other behaviors aren't. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, smoking at one church is okay while drinking at the other one is, is okay, but you don't get them confused. Because where tobacco is seen as okay at one church, alcohol will be forbidden. And where alcohol is, is, is okay at one church, tobacco will be forbidden. That's usually how that works. And 
You know, and we've been in church where the, the worst sin a woman could commit is wearing pants. And I've been to those churches. And, um, you know, and so we, that's, that's the, 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 you know, whatever sin we, you know, we, we deem and, you know, as the worst one, as the one. No, that's not what the, the Bible tells us. It says the wages of sin is death. And then we like to make up our own sins, right? We cover up our real sins. You know, like church has a divorce problem. Well, we don't really want to talk about that. So let's make up rules that cover up those things. Or the church has a pornography problem. Well, we don't really want to talk about that. Let's make some rules to cover it so that people don't talk about that. Let's talk about where uh, the church has a gossip problem. We don't like, let's talk about a different kind of sin. Well, that person just, and we cover up our sins sometimes by making new sins, making new rules up, because we, we, we make this up as we go, right? And what happens when we cover up our sins? We often sin more. And then guess what? We're back in that cycle of trying to ignore it or deny it or hide it. And then we find ourselves back in that cycle, right? Because we, we keep doing these things. We, just, we say they don't exist. And it just keeps happening. And we do it because it's easier than actually confronting our sins. It's actually easier than confronting our sins. Which I think I'm going to cover more next week. So I just split my sermon in two weeks right now. I looked at the clock. Just split it right now. But it's easier to deny our sins than it is to confront our sins. Now, you and I know, we know we'll never be sinless. Not in this body, anyways. And we know that God works things out for good. I mean, that's what Romans chapter 28 says, right? I mean, chapter 8, verse 28 says, right? And we know that, all, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. We know that. So it's easy to say, well, we just know that God's going to work it out. We like to say things like, well, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 12, all things are lawful. I have the right to do anything. We live out the second part a lot of times, though, don't we? But not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is but I will not be mastered by anything. How many of us are mastered by stuff in our lives? We're mastered by addictions. 
whether that's through alcohol or drugs or sex or the kitchen or that piece of those chocolates you have to have, caffeine addictions. I mean, we none of those, you know, in the right place, sex is not bad. Alcohol is not bad. And, uh, uh, you, know, um, you know, who doesn't take a, an Advil for their pain? I mean, in the right place, things are healthy. But we get addicted to them, you know. Who doesn't like a, a, a Coke every now and then, a cup of coffee? But when we get addicted to it, We're mastered by things, aren't we? We're mastered by our money. We're mastered by our... And so we often use these things to say, well, I can keep sinning and because God is going to work it out. God is going to keep it... God is going to... I mean, look at Jonah. He sinned. He went the other way. God had him swallowed by a big fish and then vomited out on the seashore as soon as he said he'd go the right way. So God will work it out. Look at Peter. He was the one who denied Jesus and then Jesus came back and made it and said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he redeemed him and said, okay, now Peter's the head of the church. God will work it out. I can keep sinning. And a lot of times we hide our sin. We deny it because we, we, in our actions we have this attitude that I don't need. I don't need to actually change my behavior because God has forgiven me. We're not a works-based church. We know that we don't work our way into heaven, so God has forgiven us, and we just leave it there. For some of you, that's as far as you want to get. I just want to be past that hell line, which means you're missing the majority of what the Bible teaches. Because most of the Bible is not about when we go over there. It's about living... Here. And having this attitude is just another way of ignoring our sin and hiding our sins. Another way of justifying our sins to ourselves. So I think as we think about our next steps, we think about what's going on in our lives, we have to ask ourselves, are we being honest with ourselves about our sins? And I'm just being, yes, we acknowledge them, but then we continue to hide them. I mean, David knew he was wrong. Yep, I'm a sinner. Fantastic. Are we being honest with ourselves? Are we hiding our sins? Are we ignoring our sins? Are we trying to sweep them under the rug? Are we trying to justify our sins? Well, it it was because, you know, my parents taught me to have a bad relationship with food because... Um, they overeat, so therefore I'm going to overeat, and I'm just trapped in this cycle of overeating, and it's not my fault. You can fill in your blank. It doesn't have to be overeating. We do these things all the time. Are we being honest, or are we actually saying, you know what, I'm going to confront. I love the word confront because it's more of a term 
of aggression, which is very taboo in our society right now. It's a term that I'm going to stand up to my sin. I'm going to stand up to my sin. I'm going to stand up against my sin. I'm going to confront my sin. The Bible often uses the word repent of my sin. Which doesn't, we've, we've thrown in that word, Sam, sorry, and that's repentance. That's not repentance. That's saying I'm sorry. Repentance means what? To turn around, to go the opposite direction, to say I'm, this is my sin and I'm not going to follow after that path anymore. I'm going to go a different direction. So I think as we go to our next steps is we have to be honest with ourselves. What am I doing with my sin? Father God, right now I just praise you, Lord. I thank you for this wonderful blessing, Lord. I pray that you would help us to confront our sins, Lord, that we will, uh, Lord, that we stop hiding the fact that we're sinners. Lord, we will be honest with, with ourselves, that we need to face our sins and repent of them. That we need to be strong and courageous in you. That Lord, we can't hide these things. We can't deny them. We can't ignore them. They don't go away. We need to confront them. Lord, show us those places where we're ignoring our problems. Pretending they don't exist. Lord, we praise you, we worship you. Lord, help us to be the people you have called us to be as an individual, as families, as church, as a nation. Help us to follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to go to a time.